Motivation and inspiration are powerful tools that change and influence perspectives, voices, and projects that shape the world. With all the negativity in the world, it can be hard to find those rare and beautiful stories that tell of inspired spiritual activism and individual healing journeys. Walk the path with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, on the show Heart, Change, Consciousness, where we inspire listeners to take action towards a more just world. We'll hear from authors, change makers, influencers, activists, poets, filmmakers, and cultural workers who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. Heart Change Consciousness allows us to understand the world from different perspectives and highlights what is possible when we are fearless and open ourselves to our soul purpose and engage each other across boundaries. So let's self-heal and open the path to self-sovereignty. Heart Change Consciousness begins now. All right. Hello, all. Welcome to Heart Change Consciousness. I'm Dr. Trish DeRocher, and today I'm here with my guest, Rajni Eddins, who is a spoken word artist, educator, and a dear friend. Um, so welcome, Raj. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much, Trish. I'm glad to be here. So I wanted to just take some time to um, introduce Raj to you all. Raj is the author of a collection of poetry called Their Names Are Mine. Um, and Rajni's website is rajnieedins.com. That's rajnieedins.com. Rajni is originally from Seattle, um, and he moved to Burlington, Vermont about 10 years ago, which is where we met a few years ago. Um, Rajni is the son of poet, writer, and mother Randy Eddins, and the father to Zaya and Amina. Rajni is a prominent community figure in the Burlington, Vermont area. Um, he leads anti-racist programming and poetry workshops. My daughter and I used to go to one of the poetry workshops at, at the library in, in Burlington. Um, and he's also the former coach to the award-winning Vermont-based youth spoken word group, Muslims Girl, Muslim Girls Making Change. Rajni is also the host of the monthly Black Artist Showcase that highlights the poetry of Black Vermonters. Um, and it's currently happening via Zoom because of the pandemic. So it just happened on Friday. It was, it was like a really good one too. Um, but it happens monthly. Um, so that's something that people outside of Vermont are, are um, able to share in at this moment. Um, Rajni is also available as a keynote speaker and for diversity, equity, and inclusion programming at K through 12 schools, colleges, and professional conferences. Um, Rajni used to do some uh, programming, maybe he still does, at the college that I used to teach at. Um, most recently, and this is really exciting, Rajni has been working in collaboration with the state of Vermont to create poetry as a way of bringing the lives of early Black Vermont residents to life um, and to retell the history uh, as part of the Vermont African American Heritage Trail. So that is part of uh, who Raj is and part of his work in the world. So I wanted to start just by kind of framing how Rajni and I first met and to kind of channel a little bit for our conversation. Um, but we met outside of the Flynn Theater in Burlington, Vermont a few years ago, uh, where we were both attending a theater production called A Rap on Race. And A Rap on Race, uh, it's a, a retelling through theater and dance of a conversation between Black social critic and writer James Baldwin and white anthropologist Margaret Mead. Um, and uh, their conversation is, is pretty heated, it's pretty candid, it's pretty messy, um, and at times uh, really awkward and uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> and it's just, at that time, it was on the role of race relations in, in the 70s, and now there's this uh, retelling of it. But I was just taking some students, I was teaching a class on citizenship and national belonging, and I was waiting for some more students to show up. And Rajni was there with one of his mentees, and they were just having a great time. Uh, and all of a sudden, they were singing and kind of coming over to engage me in conversation. And I'm a really big introvert with lots of social anxiety, and I had my professor hat on. And so I was like, they're really, they're coming over to sing. And 
Raji got me to sing, right? Suddenly he just kind of disarmed me and I was singing with these people that I didn't know in front of my students, in front of the theater. Um, so I just wanted to bring that in because that's really who Rajni is and that's one of his gifts. So just kind of channeling James Baldwin and, and you know, how we met, there's uh, there's a quote by James Baldwin that says, if I love you, I have to make you conscious of those things that you don't see, right? And one of Rajni's gifts through his poetry and as a truth teller is just being able to speak biting social critique from the heart, right? He's able to look at what is and he's able to, to translate the what is into really um, honest, deep poetry um, that makes us really all kind of reckon with what's happening in this country and what our role is in it. So I just wanted to frame that. Um, and Rajni, I want to turn it over to you to just, you know, introduce yourself um, and kind of how you come to this. But I'm wondering how you came to understand poetry and the imagination as tools for liberation and what experiences kind of set you on this path. Definitely. And I want to say thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Um, my mother was the founder of the African-American Writers Alliance, the first Black writers group in Seattle, Washington, in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest where we're from. And uh, prior to that inception of that organization, um, my mother had always been a, a writer, pretty prolific expressor of her ideas artistically. And she would many times have me read her stories back to her with feelings. She's very playful, um, open to create games on the fly, like she'd sing. There's a monster in the kitchen trying to cook and he's giving everybody dirty looks. There's a monster coming see, chewing on green celery. There's a monster in the kitchen trying to cook. So she was really open to use her imagination and her voice in a playful way. And it was a natural part of my upbringing. So being accustomed to that and familiar with that expression, that engagement, and then um, being exposed to her art and being encouraged and nurtured and, and, and nourished and affirmed in, in reading it and and, um, and kind of uh, positively pushed to, to read it and give it feeling and meaning with my own voice really expanded in me an appreciation that, and uh, for the value and the vitality that, that the voice can, can play, what that can mean in terms of touching people's hearts and minds and, and taking people on journeys through shared story. So when she founded the African-American Writers Alliance, I, I became the youngest and only child member. And I had started writing my poetry around that time at age 11. So that really fostered in me even more so from having a, a broader um, just community to draw from, to learn from many different people's ways of expression from choreo poets and playwrights storytellers and singers and songwriters so it gave me just a huge amount of inspiration and a more vast array of possibility for how you can use your voice i think many of those aspects are what brought me to a space where i saw the potential for imagination and creative expression to really be a tool of a vehicle for liberation and mutual inspiration and affirmation of mutual humanity and opening doorways in people's ability to, to feel themselves and each other and, and heal and grow and learn. So it's definitely a critical part of my uh, growing up. Yeah, beautiful. And I love the idea of shared storytelling in community, right? So just, um, you know, we, we have our voice, right? And part of the process is using that voice but sharing that voice to share with the community so that we can all kind of share with each other and, and learn each other through that. Definitely. Yeah. The, the voice is such a crucial component to bringing words to life, you know, just in that term spoken word. It's like you can read the written word and you can, you can glean something from it, from the things that are written in characters and your association with the meaning of the alignment in certain sequences. But when you have that added dimension, of vibration and 
the musicality of voice and the melody and the harmony and the, the pitches and the intonations, all those things, all those undulating forces and vibrations and wavelengths take on a even deeper uh, depth in terms of, of meaning and, and bringing the story to life with your living breath. Yeah, I, there is a, not, not to reduce the beautiful things that you've just said, but there's a meme <laughs> on how <laughs> words, words cast spells, right? That like, you know, we call it spelling, but, but words have an energy. And, and I think that you're absolutely right. There's the, the written words on the page, right? But they're a little flat. And, and when we speak them, we call them into being, and there's an embodied and, and visceral component. And, um, you know, that's just something when you read your poems, right? Like I, I have the book and I can read the poems on my own, but then when I've heard you perform them, they just take on a life of their own. And, and, you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of your readings and every time I feel like it's the first time, like there's just an energy, um, when you're able to read it out loud, which is the perfect segue, Raj, would you read us one of your poems, please? Would you, would you gift us with one of them? I would love to, yeah. There's actually a piece I wrote uh, kind of in the advent of the pandemic um, when we were still doing poetry experience um, some more uh, on on Zoom in that capacity. I was we used to, you're familiar because I know we've shared some together. We offer each other words in a circle and just kind of hold space to create a story, a song or a poem. And we give each participant about five to 10 minutes to write and just see whatever came out just stream of consciousness wise. So this is a piece where I was given other words, shine, gloomy, plastic, eyeball, and friendly. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was already like, okay, where's this gonna go? But it turned out to be a really um, poignant piece that has, has had a lot of meaning to me during this, this chapter where I know we've all contended with in our own ways, just the vast uh, ways we've been impacted by the pandemic in terms of social isolation and so many people impacted and, and people's health suffering and, and um, really limiting access to um, resources and, and, and fellowship, um, but also an opportunity for stillness and a reorientation of sorts that opens a doorway to, to greater possibilities. So I feel like this piece kind of speaks to that. It's called In Our Wake. Inside these hands, a golden chance Within these walls, a castle falls, while all the peasants stands. Where does one turn in a house of mirrors? If everywhere you look, there you are. If silence becomes too loud to hear over the bird songs. When touch seems a distant stranger, fuzzy and still wet with hazy memory. No one said anything about the masks we'd wear over the masks we wore before, and yet the sun still shines through gloom and flowers dare to bloom. I saw a patch of onion, a robin thrusting its chest out, eyed me suspiciously, as if to say, what are you doing here? It appears we are still here. Maybe we can outlive and outgrow our shadows. Maybe life will look us square in the eyeball and not notice our flinching imperceptibly, or see it and still forgive us our immortal mortalities. Maybe today will be the day the walls part like seas and the ceilings raise and the light has its way with us. Maybe the rain will merge with the sweat born of our contained lives and become indistinguishable. Maybe we'll take ourselves out of ourselves, cast away the plastic packaging and see something more alive, something more fun to play with than fear and shallow mirrors. Maybe we can be friendly to ourselves, even when the world is not watching, when the ceaseless eye of Babylon has gone to sleep or long die, we can be here creating, musing, imagining, envisioning life as it could and can be and leave what it was and is in our wake. Thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to take a minute to let it settle in. 
Yeah, I think um, that poem just speaks so beautifully to the both and of the pandemic, right? That, um, and really that's that's one of your gifts, I think, Raj, is just being able to name the both and. Um, that, you know, in, in the wake of so much destruction and, um, you know, harm in many different ways, that there's also beauty, right? And both of these things coexist. Um, there's a... There's a line in there about masks, and um, we've talked about masks before, and um, <clears throat> you know how many of us wear masks. Uh, we think that we're going to wear masks out of protection sometimes, um, but we don't know that they're, it's actually trapping us. Sometimes we don't know that we're wearing a mask and we're playing a role. Um, but we've also talked about you know, the, the mask of white supremacy, right. And white supremacist culture. Um, and I'm thinking there's, there's a poem in their names are mine. Um, I think it's called, I, I want to write about the trees. Um, maybe I actually, I would like to just read kind of those words, but, um, and this is, it's a much longer poem, but this is just, uh, the first few lines. I want to write about trees, but the lifeless dangling from their branches raise my pen from the dead, right? Uh, and you talk a little bit about Robert Frost in that poem too, and I'm, I'm living kind of in the, the Robert Frost woods, but that, that both and. And, you know, right now, some people are calling the situation we're in as a dark night of the soul, right? We're having a real reckoning, um, you know, with one, a healthcare system that does not work, uh, a crumbling of a lot of oppressive institutions, uh, and just uh, the kind of repressed history of this country is up in a big way. Um, so it's almost like we're, we're looking at the collective shadow self. Um, and I'm just, I'm wondering, Raj, um, just about at this moment, right, how you kind of perceive yourself, uh, what's your role as a poet, right? Because I know sometimes um, when things are heavy, uh, there can be this idea of like, well, you know, what can art do? Um, but I'm wondering what can art do? And um, what are you writing right now? How are you thinking about poetry? Has it shifted the way you're thinking about yourself and your role and your work? Um, have things clarified? Definitely. I think um, in this moment, it's really kind of pushed even more a sense of that vital healing capacity for art of art um its role in terms of holding space for human beings to explore more deeply our own and each other's humanity and be exposed to the power and the potency of imagination kind of holding our stories up up to the light and, and turning them on their ear and seeing what else we can glean there I think as far as my role in terms of holding space for people to engage in their own story and share with each other, it's definitely brought about uh, a more intense and urgent sense of the need for that uh, in terms for uh, allowing for the opportunity for positive transformation and uh, kind of breaking from calcified myopic perceptions, perspectives that limit our ability to embrace each other's stories in our own in new ways and in ways maybe we never really had exposed to or, or hadn't accessed for um, lack of the tools or um, the internal resistance that's been socialized. So I think, um, yeah, a lot of those things have been brought to the fore in really interesting and, and powerful ways. And, and I feel like just every opportunity I have to be able to hold space for people to share stories with each other, to, to elevate underheard stories and narratives, and to um, just be uh, 
a vessel and a, and a presence of supporting uh, energy and 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 um, just uh, allowing for people to see how much value they hold in in the times when they are able to express and, and value themselves, you know, to, to understand um, themselves in in ways that don't um, limit people to 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 feel like they have to reach some um, some other person's standard or some external standard just for recognizing we're all our own individual individual standards and we're all capable of amazing things glorious things and also horrific things and it's what we do consciously with our lives and and learning about how we can love truly love ourselves you know everything we've been through we've done good and bad that is a part of us you know recognizing that's a part of our story but also like there's things that are harmful that we don't have to repeat you know so any way that i can can be as an artist a way to hold space for people to come to those understandings of their own epiphanies um or just to see the magic of self-expression and and how healing and inspiring and empowering it can be from youth to elders like that's really my role and and now it just makes it more glaringly aware yeah i i'm thinking of um uh black feminist scholar bell hooks always talks about the imagination as one of our most powerful tools, right? That um, the imagination is what allows us to bring in a different world, that it's important to, to be where we are, to reckon with the history, to know, you know, um, uh, how we're showing up in each moment, but we also have to be able to see beyond it. And um, you like to use the language of imagination as a muscle, right? And that the imagination is a muscle that we can grow. And I think um, when you talk about your childhood, one of the gifts is that you were able to hold on to that imagination and that creativity. Um, and in a way that a lot of people are cut off from very early in life. Um, and, and you just get to share that now. Um, so when we come back from break, I'd love to talk a little bit more about what poetry can do um, in confronting white supremacy and in this moment that we're in, um, and also a little bit on why you choose to do this work as a Black man in Vermont. It's a very white state. There are surely easier paths, um, and yet this is a path that, that you have chosen. Um, so uh, when we come back from break, uh, Raj will share some more poetry and some more reflections uh, and also let us know a little bit more about how and where we can find his work. Come and hide, come and hide. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message Delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit AngelMessages2U.com. That's AngelMessages, the number two, the letter U, dot com. Transition, simultaneously the most difficult and vital part of the human experience. Without change, how would we grow? Tune in to Grounding Into Your Radiance with Stacy Barber every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Step into your truth and allow the light into your life. For more information about Stacy and her services, visit StacyBarber.com. That's Stacy, S-T-A-C-I-E, Barber.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com.
Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Stephan each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amirabeth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit Amirabeth.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBenton.com. It takes courage just to breathe. All right. Thanks for coming back to Heart Change Consciousness. We're here with spoken word artist Rajni Eddins, author of Their Names Are Mine. Um, and Rajni, before we uh, hear another poem and have more discussion, I wanted to just invite you to let our listeners know um, where they can find your work and how they can get involved with you. Definitely. If you are interested in engaging my work or perhaps purchasing a copy of the text, Their Names Are Mine, or learning how we can set up an engagement or facilitation together, please reach out to me and Find my contact information at rajneyeddins.com. That's R-A-J-N-I-I-E-D-D-I-N-S.com. So feel free to reach me there. My email is also their name is or mine at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-I-R-N-A-M-E-S-A-R-E-M-I-N-E at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, Rajni. And um, would you like to, to read another poem so listeners can can hear some more of your voice and perspective. i love to, yeah. I was thinking I would share um, a piece called Why We Still Need Black History Month. This is actually a piece that was inspired by uh, an exchange I had with a librarian at J.J. Flynn Elementary School when I worked there some years back um, as a paraeducator. And the librarian had started off with, well, uh, no offense, but I was like, okay, well, I wonder where this is going to go. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. often when you have that preface, you can go south real quick. But she had a question she was curious about, just wondering, so what do you think that Black History Month should be celebrated? Do you think that it should be a longer month? Do you think it shouldn't be a month at all? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your kind of take on this notion? And so uh, for some of the listeners who may or may not know, uh, Black History Month began as Negro History Week. Uh, started by the scholar and historian Dr. Carter G. Woodson as a way to uh, address and uh, balance, at least only for a week, uh, and offset the the kind of white supremacist and more deeply Eurocentric based histories that have been taught still and many times, times in many ways still are taught today, uh, to allow for the narratives and the achievements and accomplishments of Black people historically to have more voice so Black people could see the positive contributions that we've made to history and uh, the human family. So this is kind of how this piece came about. Don't be so fearful of being racist that it deludes your common sense. Are so fearful of racism existing, you become a hypocrite. I wrote this on the off chance there would be some black people who love themselves enough to listen in the audience or some white people who know black folk exist in more than convenient moments or just some human folk who love truth and have enough sense to care about their roots. The librarian asks me, why do you think 
think we still need Black History Month. For the same reason that Texas caused slavery unpaid internship, because the evil of ignorance and racism must be vigilantly opposed with truth, love, and sincere inclusion, because it was once Negro History Week, and for the children who daily see themselves through the lens of stereotypes and those who only know television as relationship to Black people and people of color. For my daughters who are growing and will not be choked out by the diminishing of our value. For the legacy of our people that makes American ideals a sought for reality rather than a cliche banality. For you, for your spirit and your conscience, so it doesn't putrefy in the delusion of denial and fear made religion. Because Black people must not become history. Our story is a part of your story. The beauty, wonder, triumphs, and trials need to be known, sung from the hilltops and mountain peaks, resounding in the valleys and grass plains, echoing down the alleyways and boulevards. Because Black, red, brown, yellow are the colors of my true love's hair and the universe. Because beauty and truth will not be contained because these are our ancestors. We owe them a debt of gratitude because love will not be silenced because teaching white supremacy is poison. We are all still recovering, conditioned to tolerate it in small doses. The, the human family must heal. Soon this sickness will be vomited and all that will remain will be you. Beautiful, healthy, free-minded you. Think of it as your chance to celebrate the human family in preparation for making every day our celebration. Thank you, Rajni, for sharing that. Honor. Yeah, I think that that sets up really nicely to talk a little bit about your experience of being an anti-racist educator and poet and Black man in Vermont. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, um, you know, I think I've said to you, like, there's there's more fun things you could be doing with your time um, and less of an uphill battle. But this is a path that you've chosen. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you've come to choose this as your work um, and some of your experiences doing this work in Vermont. Definitely, I feel like uh, it's a path that I've chosen and it's also a path that's, um, that's was a natural fit for me, you know, in terms of us finding alignment in our purpose, you know, where our purpose meets our path and, and how it engages what we're passionate about. Um, when I first started writing, my, one of my first poems was about domestic violence. It's called For the Last Time. And then I had a project with, um, oh, and my mom always had me do a, a disclaimer to make sure she, people knew it was not about her. <laughs> it's like, she just has a very vivid imagination, but I found like the power in words, even when you hadn't experienced something directly, like you could take people on a journey and 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 hold space for them to experience it um, vicariously through that story. And I, I was asked to do a poetry project, I think in middle school and choose a theme and I chose race and racism. So I wrote a poem called uh, Missing History and one called uh, Tales from the Voice of Knowledge and another called hybrid about um, multi-ethnic children and another one called um, uh, uh, who is to blame. So all of these pieces, this theme kind of developed in my work. And I felt early on in my writing, I was more dictating like listening for the voices of my ancestors to be able to translate into contemporary expression, what needed to be spoken. And I feel like that that has really built up a great deal of my work and my path and my journey and the way that I see the world. Um, so as a black man in Seattle, Washington or, or, or Vermont, or just America at large, you know, we contend with a lot of different racial stereotypes historically and present day. 
And so my 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 work, my purpose already kind of being form fitting in that capacity to respond, being somewhat of artistic, uh, what they might call a race man in the days past, people who stood up and spoke truth to power for their race for black people, even um, it's kind of a natural way of being for me because my mother was a foster parent. Also, I had a great deal of connection and, and fellowship and familial, familial relationship with many different children from different backgrounds. So that connection to we are all human beings in real time and, and seeing the human family literally as a family is something that's deeply embedded in me as well. So I think those things converging is what really determined or continues to determine um, that unfolding in my path in terms of being able to hold space for people from different backgrounds to confront the, uh, the social construct of race and expose it for the farce it is and recognizing that we're one human family, not like sheep, goats, pigs, horses. So <laughs> we're, we, have, we all have children. They may be a variety of, rainbow, of the rainbow and, and they're all beautiful. And we do have a, a foundation in black people and African people which is also a foundation in blackness itself, which is the universe and what holds the stars in place. So I feel like all those things are related and connected and me being an artist and speaking to the unity of these things, holding space for people to turn light on things maybe they had not done before is uh, just a, another part of that unfolding in my journey of the way I was brought up and, and those things that were cultivated me and I had natural inclination towards and just being open to receive and, and see what, developed so I'm, I'm thankful you know for for being here i've had a lot of different trials and, and challenges in vermont but it also informed my work a great deal because i was able to use those things as kind of a a catalyst or art or, or to find a way to uh, alchemize the the challenge and the energy of it into something that could bear fruit and then and speak to my experience in art which allowed me to find healing and catharsis and also a mirror to the society and to people I was experiencing these challenges with that I felt might be better suited if I could find a compassionate means to hold up a mirror to so, so that those people, those people who do those acts unconsciously and consciously um, and their children can contend with them ways that they can offset and choose new routes and also look at that pretty directly and never develop those foibles. So I feel like all those things are key to just learning from each other as human beings and everybody has a role in that work, but mine is more so just through art and through holding space in dynamic ways that have a, a spiritual foundation that allow people to really hear and receive each other and open doorways in themselves. I'm I'm thinking of a, a time um, we we were I think it was right after your book came out um, we were standing on the corner and I can't remember how it started Rajni but <laughs> um, Rajni was playing some music it was you know later at night um, and somehow someone wanted to freestyle with you so there were there was a group of young white men um, and it started out kind of playfully. Um, but then, then there was a, a drunk white man who came and he was pretty aggressive. And, um, I bring this up because I watched you alchemize that situation with your words and, um, you know, instead of kind of, um, meeting, uh, this man in the aggressive stance that he was taking, uh, you were able to just stay in your heart and stay playful and um, just like exude love. Um, and eventually I watched him just soften and his whole demeanor changed. Um, and so I think when you're speaking of like that, that this is your gift, right? Using those words to alchemize or transmute um, and to also play with power a little bit. Um, and I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little of how um, kind of taking some really difficult situations in life and translating them into poetry and, and into the page, how that 
how that works for you in terms of how you're able to to keep doing this work, right? Because in order to keep doing this kind of work, you also need a sense of hope and you need some nourishment. Um, so yeah, I'm just wondering uh, how how you find nourishment in the work um, and what else nourishes you. Definitely. I think um, that seeing that resiliency of many different children, the capacity that love has to hold space for people with past trauma and um, how it can restore them and, and knowing that we all have that child alive still inside us who has had their own experiences and, and, and scars and, and trials to undergo, but still being able to keep that magic alive, the whole space for uh, greater possibilities, even in the midst of dire straits is, is a powerful uh, force that can really sustain and allow us to, to, to seek and, and see and seize greater possibilities, see that things are, are possible and realize them. Because if you can't see them at all, or even imagine or conceive of them, then of course that limits your ability to even know that they're accessible. Um, so I think having those experiences many times over with different children, even if it was a short span or a longer span, also taught me, you never know how long you have with people. So it's about really appreciating the time that you have, the time and space that you have, and life and breath that you have um, while you have it, because it's not promised. And I think we see that even a great deal more under the circumstances of this pandemic. Um, but I think a lot of those things that develop me are what nourish me and, and continue to allow me to receive nourishment from the moments. Um, each moment, like when I'm present with my daughter, seeing her and being playful with her, or when uh, I'm, I'm writing or creating or, or freestyling or being open to the moment to see what's possible because you can direct energy in positive and negative ways. Like if, if you allow it, something that's pushing you to be more aggressive or kind of drawing you outside of yourself, outside of your own peace, but you're able to maintain your peace and still emphasize love and positive energy in the ways that you're able to through your expression, that I think that opens doorways to you. Are you even able to just like hold up a mirror and reflect and say, this is what I see, just to kind of get it off of you so it doesn't dwell within you and kind of stagnate your own energy. I think all those things are keys to uh, self-care and, and nourishing and nurturing yourself and keeping health and sound mind and sanity and valuing your own inner peace and light. And those, those are things I, I aim to adopt and, and practice each day um, to sustain because I want to be able to have some longevity in life as long as I have life and breath. I want to maximize my ability to create and touch people's hearts and minds in dynamic ways um, that have lasting value um, that can be translated for and passed on to other people. So I feel like it's a part of all of us mutually sustaining each other and everybody has a role in kind of that breathe in, breathe out. But yeah, a lot of the things that nourish me now are just like time with family and uh, having time to meditate, like daily affirmations, starting down what I'm grateful for each day, uh, going out and being in nature. It's a little colder now, so <laughs> briskly in nature. Uh, yeah, just finding ways that I can return to myself and, and center and ground, uh, be playful, find the humor and the sweetness in life, because I know we're so inundated with negativity and the gloom and doom of, of, of things that it can uh, really limit your ability if you allow it to, to perceive greater possibilities, even in the midst of dire straits. And I think all the people who we really admire um, and look up to as folks who stood up, spoke truth to power, even at their own peril and, 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 and did tremendous things, thinking about more than themselves and even us who were yet to be born, we look up to them for that reason, in terms of having a certain indefatigable faith. <laughs> and uh, an appreciation for the greater possibilities of what can be. And I think that's something that children are so good at. So being able to return to that child we were and that's still very much resonant in us if we allow them to be is so important. 
Yeah. And I think that's also one of your gifts, Rajni, is that you're able to kind of find that young child in people and help to kind of cultivate that and, and bring that out. Um, as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking of how I kind of came to social justice work in the first place. And I remember just noticing that, that and I couldn't understand it as a young person. I was like, you know, activists are looking like at, at the ugliest parts of humanity. And they're also like the lightest people I know, right? There's like a, there's a joy um, and it just kind of a, a lightness in being. And I think in part, it comes from not spending so much energy trying to not look at things, right? But to just kind of honor everything um, as it is and then ask, okay, well, as I'm looking at this in the face, like, what do I want to do with it, right? And what's, what's my verse? What's my part? Um, and how can I transmute this a little bit? So Rajni, I'm wondering if you can share with us kind of what you see coming next for you, what projects you're currently working on, uh, what you're really excited about and what you're kind of imagining into being. Definitely. Well, I'm super excited to be releasing uh, my first album probably a few months into the new year. That's been a long time coming. So I have probably close to hundreds of songs that I've been compiling over the years and I've never really released them in one compilation. So I'm actually going to have a listening session with some friends next week or so, kind of be able to pare that down in preparation for releasing that into the world as a newborn. And then I also have um, another text and a new book of poetry that I'm planning on releasing in 2021. Um, it's called right. in, the, in the coded language of this mortal tongue. Okay. So that will be a compilation kind of to be a follow up to their names are mine and be a lot of pieces that were over that same time span, but some new ones over the time of the pandemic and just before as well. So I'm excited about sharing that and having new opportunities to engage in other parts of my work with the community and hopefully the nation as we have more uh, freedom of movement to do so. Uh, and also releasing a book of odes to, to Black women. Um, just a number of haikus that I've written, pretty vast amount. And uh, those are some of the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing. I also have a children's story. It's coming out called A Love So Big that speaks of the love that children and parents bear for each other when they're not able to see each other. So I think that'll have a, a huge positive, um, restorative and uh, healing resource within to be when it's shared on a grander scale. Um, I'm collaborating with my friend Kiere Hanrin on that. She's going to be illustrating. And I hope to release a number of children's stories in the new year because I'm partnering up with some other illustrators in the interim. So just excited to make this a really powerful, uh, vibrant, prolifically creative moment as we transition into the new year and keep that sense of what can be and, and utilize my ancestors who came before and, and us here and my own children and the children who are yet as just a, a, a base and a reservoir of infinite inspiration to draw from that love and light and affirm the, the beauty and the brilliance of human beings and who we are and what we, and what we can be, who we can be. Beautiful. That's so exciting. You have so many exciting things coming up. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, Raj, we only have a few minutes left. If you'd like to just kind of leave us with one last poem um, and just kind of a, uh, a takeaway for, you know, one thing that you hope listeners kind of take away from, um, uh, from our time together and, and also just, again, ways that people can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, maybe I'll share a middle passage. Um, this is a piece in dedication to the ancestors who lost their lives and survived um, that great travail being brought over as enslaved people from Africa to the Americas. And I usually begin with it. It goes like this. There should be oceans of tears. There should be oceans of tears. This ink is not my blood. What right have I to speak? What right have I to speak? Think my words, the salty oblivion to swallow this globe, submerging continents, 
mother's one perfect tear for her children. There were children in that small cramped space, giving birth in fetal position to stillborn cosmos, tiny infants with mayhem as midwife. Below deck, below death, below breath was hope, hidden in heartbeat rhythm. And now sometimes I see our children are below deck, crammed in into small cramped space, but the wooden planks are blocks and stoops and streets. But our heart beating hope tells we don't have to live that metaphor, for we are the lineage of stars and suns. Look at the sky and see your reflection. Forgetfulness to have us think the oceans dreamt them. But galaxies do litter the sea floor. No one can ever take away our before. They sunk so that we saw. They hung so that we saw. They sunk and sung with tears in their lungs so that we saw. This is not a metaphor. This is not a metaphor. This ain't no metaphor. Middle passage. Thank you. And I always want to share that. I'm glad to close with that for the ancestors. And I would say, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody and affirm you in doing your best to self-care for yourself and to supporting your communities how you're able to. I know this is a challenging time for us all, but it's now uh, incumbent upon us to really find that depth of compassion for ourselves and for each other. And if you are open to reach out to me, you can find me at www rajneyedmonds.com that's r-h-a-n-i-i-d-d-e-d-d-i-n-s.com thank you for tuning in to heart change consciousness on transformationtalkradio.com with me dr trish derosher make sure to come back next time so we can continue to awaken your soul purpose look forward to more conversations with your favorite authors change makers, influencers, activists, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. For more information about me and transformative consciousness coaching, visit transformativeconsciousness.com. That's transformativeconsciousness.com. This was Heart Change Consciousness on transformationtalkradio.com.